I found that uh, actually since I retired, I didn't realize, you know, when you're living in something, you don't realize it how much energy uh, it took to do uh, my job. I'm not saying it's more important than anybody else's, but it occupied a lot of my uh, unconscious time. And uh, now that I don't have to worry about that and deal with that, I've had more time to work with others and, and get into the book and uh, do more service. And I've seen more things from working with people. Uh, it's revealed more to me. So I thought I would share a little bit of that today. And it's going to cover, we're going to be covering the uh, 11th step. On page 77, uh, there's a line at the top two, two uh, three, three lines that have uh, really uh, revealed a lot to me and they're not read at many meetings, they're kind of hidden. It says, at the moment I'm trying to put my life in order, that's in, we're on the eighth and ninth step, and I've talked about how do we put my life in order. Well, the first thing, the first three steps are how I put my life in order with God because I was out of order with God because I was uh, playing God and it didn't work and I was managing my own life and anybody uh, who comes here uh, that was a problem because if you could manage your life you wouldn't have come here and we couldn't manage the, I couldn't manage the decision not to use a drink and I could not manage my life I was full of fear and I was full of anger and shame and guilt so that's the first thing the second thing I had to put my life in order is my thinking I had to see the truth about my thinking so I wouldn't live on a lie anymore. And I, got, I could see what my fear and my resentments and my conduct and how it was the result of my self-centeredness. And all these character defects arise whenever I play God and I try to run the world. It wasn't pretty, but I was able to forgive myself because I wasn't a bad person. I was just had the wrong director and it was me. And I was under the delusion, it says on page 62, I believe, that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of life if I managed it well. Boy, did I try. And I would have brief moments of happiness and satisfaction, but they were short-lived. If I was ever happy and had satisfaction, uh, I'd have a fear that I'm going to lose it. <laughs> or. Uh, I fear that I wasn't going to have it, and it just didn't work. And then, so steps four through seven help me put my life uh, in order in terms of my thinking. And I want God to remove my character defects and replace them with the opposite, and so I can live a uh, life of uh, um, peace and serenity and service. And so I had to learn what my character defects were in four and five, and then I admit them to God, and then I practice six and seven every day. We have our card. I don't think I have one. Got some in here. If you're new and you don't have a card, we have some. But till uh, I actually looked and studied this card, I think Scott said he made this seven years ago or more. Uh, I could see the personality characteristics of self-will, and they weren't pretty. And then I could see the personality characteristics of God's will. And when I'm practicing self, dishonesty, fear, and consideration, pride, greed, lust, anger, envy, sloth, gluttony, impatient, intolerant, resentment, hate, anybody relate to any of that? How did I feel? Restless, irritable guilt. I had shame and discontentment. 
and alcohol became a solution to that feeling. If I practice the personality of God's will, I've interest in others, I'm honest, courage, considerate, humility, giving and sharing, doing for others, calm, grateful. How do I feel? Peaceful, serene, loving, and content. So if the promises are going to come true, I have to be able to practice a way of life where I can stop uh, living on the characteristics of self-will and live on the characteristics of God's will. And that's what we're going to look at in, in steps 10 and 11. But 6 and 7 is where I recognize whenever I'm off the beam and I ask God to remove those character defects and I have to practice the opposite. 6 and 7 is a practice of changing and letting go of your self-centered personality and yes, seeking God and the God-centered personality. Then the other way we put our lives in order is 8 and 9 because I put my life in order with the world, the physical world. And I do that by willing to admit that I'm wrong with all these people that I uh, harmed. And I'm willing to make amends to all of them, so I'm not afraid of anybody walking in the door because I'll be glad to admit my wrongdoing to them and ask how I can make amends. And then you lose your fear of people. And that's very important because if you have any amends and people you're still afraid of, there's a drink behind those feelings. You may not even realize it. And so it says, but this is not an end in itself. Now listen to this. My real purpose, that's why I'm here, is to fit myself, fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And so that's, that's, that's my purpose in AA. It's my purpose isn't to learn how to not to drink. My purpose is to fit myself spiritually to be a maximum service to God and the people about us. And I can't serve uh, God and the people about us if I'm in self. Now the next um, page I want to look at is on page 83. And this is another powerful two lines that you don't hear much about at meetings. Because it's buried in the steps get the hint um, and on page 83 the, t the first paragraph it talks about this period of reconstruction and they talk about a remorseful mumbling and saying you're sorry doesn't change what you have to do it says is clean house with the family one clean house with not only the family but the world and the house you're cleaning is your mind all your old ideas all your resentments all your fears all your harms, you're willing to make amends. And then here's, here's a powerful line that I uh, meditate on every day because I think this is the vision of God's will for me. It says each morning in meditation, I ask each morning in meditation. So I ask, I ask God and I meditate on it. I say, God, show me the way, the way of patience the way of tolerance, kindliness, and love. And that's become my vision of God's will for me, is if I can be a way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And I thought about what is the way? How do we become, how, do, how does God show us the way of that? Because that's a powerful word they put in there. They didn't say, God, show me patience, tolerance, show me the way. And I like the prayer of St. Francis. I don't know if anybody else likes this. Anybody else like it? Because this prayer of St. Francis is how I can be the way 
of practicing that. Because it says, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. God is going to be inside of me. He's going to, it's going to make a channel of his peace. And I'm going to bring love and forgiveness and harmony and truth and faith and hope and light and joy. And I'm going to try to comfort. And I'm going to try to, underst to underst be, uh, understand and to love. And if I do that, then I'll forget self. And then I'll find God. So if I, if I be this way and practice this prayer to be a channel of God's peace, then I will bring patience, kindliness, love, and tolerance. And I guarantee your world, world will be a lot better. I think the air conditioning's on. If anybody wants to go turn that button up outside. And so uh, it says the next line, it's around the corner. There's a, Are you hot or cold? There's a cold air coming out. I'm fine. The spiritual. Anybody <laughs> cold? I'll turn it off. Stop it. Alright. Uh, it says the spiritual life is not a theory. Stop it. Now let's get back on track. The spiritual life is not a theory. It says the next line, notice it's in italics. Now look at this. It says we have to live it. It doesn't say you may want to try this. You have to live it. If you don't live it's not a theory. If you don't live a spiritual life, then you're living a non-spiritual life. There's only two choices. And a non-spiritual life means that you're managing it again. You're in self-will, and you're going to make a mess of your life. You're going to get irritable, restless, discontent. You're going to drink again. And so it says we have to live it. Now, if you notice, then the promises come down there, which we just read. So you want the promises to come true true quickly and you want to work for them and they materialize now why do you want to do that well they tell you because it says on page 84 and if you if you look at these next three pages and two paragraphs they define the whole purpose of AA the whole purpose of the book now I thought about it this book is a prescription for a miracle it's a prescription for changing you from a self-centered person living separated from God to one who is God-centered and has conscious contact with God and it lives the way God would have us be. And if you do that, that's a great, um, a great uh, way to live and it's also called the spiritual awakening. A lot of people want to know what a spiritual awakening is, but that's what it is. Now, after you have the promises come true quickly, the promises are the way we live, because it says this thought brings us to step 10, and it says this is the way of living as we cleaned up the spirit, uh, the past. And it says you've entered the world of the spirit. Now the world of the spirit is what we want to live in. We want to live in the world of the spirit, which means we have conscious contact with God and we're part of the world and we're not separated from it in our mind and we haven't separated from God in our mind and become God-centered where I'm the center of my life instead of God. Because whenever that happens, remember, you have that chart, the instincts of life, you're trying to manage your life and then you're full of fear, uh, resentment, and you have shame and guilt. And so the promises you want to come true because they tell you when that's happening that you're in the world of the Spirit. So the whole point of this, these steps one through nine, is to get you into this place where you can live each day. 
Now these pages are set up in a certain way. This first paragraph here, it says the thought brings us to step 10. This paragraph is how you live in the world of the spirit. If you just do this to the best of your ability every day, your life will change. It's one paragraph, it's not studied a lot at meetings either. I think I've been to a million discussion meetings and I've never heard really ever, anybody ever read this as the topic. But this is the deal. This is how you live in the world of the spirit and it's, it's not very hard. Uh, you're gonna, you wanna grow in understanding effectiveness of how to live in the world of the spirit and it continues for a lifetime. It doesn't say you do this once and then you're, you're kind of blessed and you can go on. So what do you do when you're in the world of the spirit? You watch for when you're leaving it. Now, when you're in the world of the spirit, you're with God and you're in the world of the spirit. But you, we have a mind. Anybody here have a mind? We don't like to admit it, but we do. Because sometimes we don't use it well. But we have a mind, we have an ego. We have something in our mind, a thinker, that tries to take us out of the world of the spirit. And it's called self-will. And we watch for when self-will's coming up, just watching with God, and it's called selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Now, what they're telling you is when these crop up, now, they don't say, get a full-born rage, try to strangle somebody, and then say, ask God to remove it. That doesn't work very well. They say, don't get full-born fear and act on that. It says, watch for it, and when it crops up, like the grass is just starting to grow now. When it crops up, you ask God it wants to remove it because you want to get back with God. That's the whole deal. Conscious contact versus conscious separation. <clears throat> and if you've done these steps, you've learned a lot of spiritual tools so you can recognize when you're getting off the beam so you can stop quickly. So you don't have to go from peaceful with God to full-born misery in your mind you have the ability, if you're in the swirl of the spirit, to recognize it quickly. Now that doesn't mean that you're gonna do it every time, but this is how you should try to live. Now how do you know when you're live, leaving the world of the spirit? You don't feel good. You're disturbed, you're anxious, you're worried, you're bothered, people bother you. Uh, I may be bothering you now while you're leaving the world of the spirit, so get back to it. <laughs> and, and it says, and, and all you have to do is ask God at once to remove them, and guess what? It will happen, because we can see that God can do for me what I cannot do for myself. Now, I can't remove them once I start, but God can do it. And then you discuss them with someone immediately. You make amends quickly if you've harmed anyone. So you're doing four through nine. Then here's what it says, that we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Anybody think that's a good idea? Why do they put that in there? It doesn't say help an alcoholic. It doesn't turn your thoughts away from your self-centered thoughts to how you can serve others. Remember, it's our purpose is to fit ourselves to be maximal service to God and others. If I'm being service to God and others, I'm being a channel of God's peace, I'll feel okay. And it says, now, if you don't know what that means, they tell you love and tolerance of others is our code, our code of living. And um, uh, love is a certain feeling. And when you're full of love for people, you're going to act in a certain way, and it's going to be good. If you're tolerant, tolerant is, takes in a lot of things. It means that you're able to tolerate people as human beings. 
uh, tolerance of a substance is the, is the amount of stress it could take before it explodes. Now, we were good at exploding with very little stress, but we want to increase our stress that we can take before we explode. Now, there's a line in the big book that I found. It wasn't there uh, two weeks ago. And I found it last week, and I forgot to talk about it on Sunday night. So if you come tomorrow, you're going to hear this again. Nobody will come now. The bottom of 19, there's this line here. And they're talking about how they're going to write about the book, and they don't want to write anything that's controversial. They don't realize they're writing it for alcoholics. Of course it's going to be controversial. You hear new people have opinions on this and their opinions on everything. And that's, that's okay. But it says, and I like this line, it says, most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which makes us more useful to others. Now, to me, this is the whole deal. Because remember, I want to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and others, right? And so how do I do that? I have to have a real tolerance of people's shortcomings and viewpoints. Now, what is a resentment? Everybody's always asking, well, what is a resentment? A resentment is when you have intolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and their attitudes. You're intolerant of these people in, that come into your life. And you don't, you don't tolerate the, that they're human beings. They all have shortcomings. They all have viewpoints that are different from ours and opinions and attitudes. So you see how that ties together with this love and tolerance of others as a code. And so the book is, I don't know if they intended this way or this is the way I believe God set it up, that it all ties together. It, it's, it's very powerful. Now the next paragraph, so this is how you live each day, this one paragraph. The next paragraph tells you what happens if you live that way. If you live this way, then they talk about this being fit spiritual condition. If you practice this paragraph, you'll be in fit spiritual condition. And what is the gift of fit spiritual condition? Does anybody know? Anybody got any ideas? I'm going to tell you because it's in this paragraph. It says if you're in fit spiritual condition, you're going to react a certain way. Now see if this is a good way to act. You're not going to fight anything or anyone. You're not going to be in conflict with the world. Even alcohol, you're going to have sanity will return to you. You'll be able to see the truth about a lot of things, but you'll be able to see the truth about alcohol. You'll seldom be interested in it. Why? You're living a spiritual life. Alcohol is not going to come in the picture. You will recoil from it as from a hot flame. Now, for an alcoholic, that's a spiritual gift because we used to keep putting our hands in the flame. It's not going to burn me this time. Oh, it's not burning very much. <laughs> it's not singed yet. You know, we just kept doing it. Well, we burned this finger, so we'll burn this second finger now. And, and we did it over and over again. It seems preposterous, but we live that way. And you will react sanely and normally to alcohol, and you'll also react sanely and normally to life. You'll see things as they are and not as you decide they are. Uh, I heard it yesterday. It says, nothing is either good or bad. It's only thinking that makes it so. I think that should be our mantra. 
because we would decide what's good or bad with our alcoholic mind. Now we see it as God sees it and nothing is really good or bad. It just is. And then it says, it's a miracle. It just comes. Now you don't earn anything. Now she made a great point. I'm so proud of you. She needs to work the steps. She knows that. Because just making the decision in step three doesn't get you a relationship with God. And, and when you work the steps, it just comes. Now, a lot of people have the obsession relief from alcohol, and they think that's great, that's enough for them. But if you want the gifts of the spiritual life, you, do the, you work the steps constantly. And um, for most people, they can't stay sober unless they're doing this. Some people do seem to stay sober, and they don't have to do this. I don't know what they have. They don't have what I have in my head. I need to do this all the time. It doesn't matter how long you're sober, how many, how many coins you got. If you want to have emotional sobriety, you have to do this. And it says, the problem's been removed. You're in a position of neutrality. And this is how you're going to react. This is their experience if you're in fit spiritual condition. So if you're doing the stuff that they talked about, the work that you need to do to materialize the promises, and then you keep doing it, in this paragraph in step 10, then you're in fit spiritual condition and look at the way you react. And if you react this way, you're not gonna have to drink no matter what happens. Now there's a line in the big book, it says, if we follow the dictates of a higher power, we will live in a new and wonderful world no matter the circumstances. And so no matter what things happen out there, the world will always look okay to you because you're following God's plans and for you. Now the next paragraph is a warning. They always give you a warning. They give you the good news, and then they give you a warning. It's like on the cigarettes. If you smoke this, you're gonna die. And then people come in my office and they say, how would I get this? And then they light up a camel outside. And so it says, you're headed for trouble if you let up on the spiritual program of action. So if you think you're good, you've got a lot of coins and you're doing great today, that won't help you today. You have to do, these, these things in step 10 every day to keep in fit spiritual condition because alcohol is a subtle foe. In other words, if you're not in fit spiritual condition and you go long enough and you're just back in self, alcohol will seem to be a good idea at some time. Does that make sense? Well, it's happened to all of us. And it says you're not cured, but you do have a daily reprieve. I like that word. They, they knew the English language. Reprieve is a stay of execution. It means that you're not going to die today. You're not going to be executed today if you maintain a spiritual condition. Now, they're not saying you just do a little bit. You're maintaining a fit spiritual condition. You can't do a little bit of this and have a fit spiritual condition. You have to commit yourself totally to this. And it says, and then there's a must. There's a must on what you should do each day. Every day is a day when I must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Well, what's God's will in all my activities? It's to do step 10. It's to, and so you, you can meditate on that every day, I do. You can practice the way of love, patience, kind, and tolerances. You can, the, you can, you can practice the prayer of St. Francis. And if you do that, then you're in, you're, that's a vision of God's will. Now, the reason you want a vision of God's will is if you want to act a certain way, all action comes in thought. 
And if your thinking is centered on God's will for you, then your actions are going to be better. Now, whenever I have a problem, something bothers me, people bother me sometimes, uh, maybe a lot some days. But if I'm bothered, it's because I'm not bringing love into that situation. And I'm not bringing the way of, of God's vision into that situation. If I'm a fear, I'm not bringing God's vision into that situation, then I need to trust him and how I should be. And so if I, if I carry the vision, then I have a good chance to try to have a spiritual life and a good day. So they're talking now about the day. Ten is during the day. Fit spiritual condition. What happens during the day? They're giving you a warning and telling you you must carry a vision. How can I best serve God? We've read that. That's our purpose. Thy will not mine be done. Now here's, here's a great promise. The promise is if you carry these thoughts of God's vision, then you will be exercising your willpower the proper way. So we can still use our minds now, but you don't get your mind back to use it till page 85. Because you want to use your thinking and your mind to carry the vision of God's will into all your activities. And those are the thoughts you want to carry with you. And if you do that, you can use your will all you want. So that's the proper will. That's the opposite of self-will. So you see how it all ties together? To me, it's very powerful. I, I, I just can't believe how they actually even wrote this. It, it's human beings actually put this on paper, but I believe it was God-inspired. The only, the only regret I have, really, is I wish I was around and sat in when they were actually putting these things together. Now, I've tried to read a lot of the books that they used, and you, you can get those on the Internet, and there's books from the Oxford Group. There's some books uh, uh, written that they use. Uh, they used the Bible and Scripture, of course, and they had some spiritual people like uh, Reverend Shoemaker helping them put this together. But it's just amazing. Now, here's the next line. Now, the next paragraph says, now you, you're receiving strength, inspiration, direction from him. And so if you've carefully followed these directions, it doesn't say what happens if you don't carefully follow these directions, but that's the warning. You've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into you. You have become God conscious. That's what you want to have. You want to have conscious contact with God. You want to be the person he created all day long. You want a vision of his will in all your activities. But that doesn't happen unless you carefully follow directions. So a lot of people follow the directions that they like or the directions that they want. And, and then who's deciding which directions you need, you see? And then you're running the show. If you follow carefully their directions, now remember, the big book says their purpose is specifically to show you what they did and how they did it. So that's why we study this book, because this is the prescription, the directions, to be able to achieve the flow of God's spirit into us. And we want to be God conscious. And we have begun the vital, the sixth sense, and then you use this. Now, they're going to give you, so this is what you do during the day. You got it? These are the specific, it's only four, what? One, two, three, four paragraphs. But if you've done this, you begin to get conscious contact with God. Now, step 11 is how you continue to improve this God consciousness that you achieve by doing the 
the things on page 84 and 85. Now, they suggest prayer and meditation. It's like having a parachute. We suggest you carry it, and when you fall out of the airplane, you pull it. See, the suggestions are kind of, they suggest, because they're not going to tell alcoholics what to do. Uh, that won't work. But they suggest it. Now, why do you do this? Well, Ed says it so well. You do it because when you do this, the results are good. So you try this and see the results. You try living on 84 and 85, look at the results. Try steps one through nine, look at the results. You know the results of conscious separation. That got you here. Try the results to achieve conscious contact and tell us what it is. And that's all the steps, that's the spiritual awakening. You're awakened to the spirit. You have a conscious contact with God. Tell us what it looks like. I can't tell you what it looks like for you, but I can tell you what it looks like for me. And it means that I know that I can go to God all day long and I can find peace. I can go to God all day long and find all my problems removed. Uh, there's nothing he can't do for me if I seek him and I practice this. Now, the sad thing is some days I don't like to do that. I, I like to be a little disturbed. I don't know why. Uh, but we were made that way, and then I just have to stop and say, you know, I have a power available to me, and I can get undisturbed right now. Now, having lived disturbed for a long time, I don't like being undisturbed. I, I try to limit it to 10 seconds. It doesn't always work, 20 a minute. But I know the tools to go to to get undisturbed, and I do this. So prayer meditation, not medication. Uh, somebody asks, when do I get the medicine? It says no. So it says, uh, we're using it, it works, it works. I, I can guarantee it works. Now you have to have the proper attitude and work at it. Uh, what is the proper attitude? They don't tell you, but I think it's humility. It's humility to seek God's will and God's uh, power in all your life. The humility that you don't have the power, you're going to it. It's, it's you're not God, you're seeking God. It's the true, it's not, okay, God, I need to get a new house here. Help me get a new job and make some more money. It's not that. It's the humility that on your own you know nothing and that with God you get all power. And so, and you may have different definitions. I'm just throwing some things out that come to my mind. Now, they're going to give you definite and valuable suggestions how to pray and meditate. Now, the meditation in these next pages is, I heard somebody say, and I don't know if it's true, but it's like the, it's a Quaker form of meditation. It's a meditation on the word. Now, they meditated and had quiet time, and they would read a scripture. And then they would, they would each take like 20 minutes, and they'd, and they'd meditate just on those words. And then they would write a paragraph of what they got out of it. It wasn't that they cleared their mind from thought, and they chanted, and they... Uh, saying uh, the breathing. They meditated on the word because the word was the, the vision and they meditated on how God was going to make those words come to mean to them. And so these are words that they want us to meditate on. Now the first part of step 11 is when you retire at night. And we, uh, we read that before and it's, this is how you look at your day when you were separated from God. Does this make sense? And uh, they ask you certain questions. Uh, were you resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do you owe an apology? 
Now, now you're going to look all day and watch for when you were resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid. Now you're going to look back and see where you were, where you were separating. And then you want to make an apology and amends. You don't want to live separated from the world. Uh, you may need to discuss it with someone at once or during the day. You don't want to carry around crap in your head. If you do, that will cause you to drink eventually. If you carry enough of this stuff around, uh, it'll, it'll, you, can't, you can't have a relationship with God. Now they tell you, you're going to look at how you practice the vision of God's will. See, I, I saw this now. Were you kind and loving towards all? Well, so that might be God's will. Am I kind and loving towards everyone? Not just the people I like, but everyone. And that's a, that's a vision of God's will. Well, how well did you carry it out? Now here's another one. What could you have done better? What could I have done better today? You're asking, you're looking at, at how you could do better God's will. Or was I thinking of what I could do for others or what I could pack into the stream of life? And was I thinking of myself or was I thinking of others? What could I have done better? And so was I thinking of myself all the time? Uh, it occupies a lot of our thoughts, I think, ourselves. But we're, we're trying to get away from that, right? And of course, we're always going to think about ourselves because that's the way God created us. But he also created us that we don't feel good when we're separated, so we turn back to him. Because he gave us the freedom to separate from him, but if we ask, he will bring us back to him. And then it says, that would diminish my usefulness to others. We must not be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. That's all the, that will separate us more. It will diminish my usefulness to others. Here it is again. That's our purpose, is to be useful to others, serve God and others. And I can't serve others if I'm not being kind and loving. I can't serve others if I'm being resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid. I can't, and I want to stay away from worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. Now here's a powerful line. I remember Richard, uh, we talked about this, what, a couple years ago. After making my review, I review this, and I try to do this every night, I ask God's forgiveness. I ask his forgiveness. And, and remember, when we ask in the big book, it's a petition that we expect to be answered. It's from the book of James, because we're asking with faith, right, Gary? And when we do that, we know we'll be forgiven. So if I'm not forgiven, that's in my own head. And then I inquire. This is what I forget to do sometimes, but not lately, because I've been studying. I inquire what corrective measures should be taken. Inquire from God, not from me. I try to say and, and try to meditate on what corrective measures. And then you'll see things will come into your head, how you should have done something different that day, how you should have been a different person. Now. Uh, next week, I'm sorry I reviewed again, but we're going to pick up on the what I do during the day with meditation and prayer. And it's very powerful. So if you have time this week, read 84 to 88. Because the ne next week we're going to see what you do in the morning when you wake up. We're going to see what you meditate on all day. We're going to see how you conclude the prayer and meditation. And you, what you ask God all day to give you the next step. You hear it, I want the next right action. Anybody say that? I'm going to do the next right action. 
but you're doing it with an alcoholic mind. See, if I'm doing the next right action that I decide is the right action, I don't know that's true. I want to do the next right action that God wants for me. And then there's the powerful last paragraph on 87 and 88, which shows us how we have to pause and bring God into all of our uh, activities. So I'm going to open it up, and then next week, I'm not going to review again, I promise. I'm serious. I'm not reviewing. But I thought it would be good for new people to tie this all together so then we can get to uh, 86 to 88. So if anybody wants to comment on that.